people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Moira, a former colleague, to the conversation. Hi, Helen. So lovely to be here and talking to you again. Brilliant. Well, I've invited you, um, as we had discussed, because you have a fascinating story to tell. And Moira and I used to be colleagues at an organization. And while we're not working at the same organization, we continue to think of ourselves as colleagues and even friends. And so you had shared something that had happened that very personal to your family and your life that has having an influence on what you're doing both work-wise and life-wise. And I thought it was a brilliant story. So maybe you could start by giving us a little bit of context of what is this event that's happened and what has that led you to? Yes, absolutely. So um, I guess late uh, July, August last year, I had a lovely weekend in Sydney. It was my anniversary. Uh, even went, I actually kicked something off my bucket list, which I never even thought about bucket list before, but it was ironic, which was to go and see an opera at the Sydney Opera House. How cool. Yes. Uh, So, you know, life was great, feeling healthy. We did some hiking. And on the Tuesday, we were flying back um, from Sydney. And I just on the plane had this cough, which obviously we wouldn't want to be doing right now. (laughs) got funny luck. But I um, thought, hmm, that seems quite a you know, big cough um, that's come out of nowhere. And by that night, I had a really, really high temperature and just felt awful. And so um, I'm someone who bounces back after 48 hours, so didn't think anything of it. Yes. Stayed in bed. You know, I'm not interested. I felt it was a virus. I knew I didn't need antibiotics. But by, so this was... Wednesday, you know, obviously in bed all day. By by Friday, I did feel very, very sick. So went to the GP, um, who thought it possibly was flu, but I didn't have all of the symptoms. But anyway, took a swab for influenza A and did a chest X-ray. The chest X-ray came back fine, clear, um, and you know, she just said basically get some rest. I'll give you some antibiotics because it does sound like you do have an infection in your chest, even though it's not pneumonia. And, uh, you know, we'll have the results back next week and, you know, come back if, if your symptoms deteriorate. So over the weekend they did. And, uh, I went back to the GP actually twice over the weekend. And, um, by the Wednesday, I guess I had got so bad that I pretty much collapsed in the house and my husband took me to uh, casualty and when I got into casualty uh, you know the triage center they they take your blood ox levels and um, the guy who did it was like oh um, do you have a finger without nail varnish because the (laughs) feeling was so high he thought it was are so low I guess my blood ox levels he actually thought that it was my nail varnish so they found actually one of my nails was free funny enough how fascinating that nail varnish actually might influence those readings well actually during my stay um because I people who use SNS it's quite tough to get off but I did did have one finger so that was the finger they use for all the readings But the reading was real. It wasn't the nail varnish. And yeah. I was rushed into um, ICU. And um, 
had uh, had the chat even on the first night that there's a possibility that I may have to go into um, an induced coma on a respirator because yep. my need for oxygen was was quite high. So if I didn't improve, you know, over the next few days, that was a possibility. So they kind of um, started to manage my expectation and. I had like a respirator standing beside my bed and I used to look at it and go, "Mm -mm, you're not coming near me. I'm getting better. I'm a fighter. And, um, and I did, I fought really hard for three days and the doctors would come in and like, how are you today? And I could hardly speak or breathe. I'm like, Oh, good. (laughs) Um, and so by this, yeah, by the, so I went in on the Wednesday, by the Sunday night, I was, really really struggling it was to breathe and I can actually understand now how you know particularly old people just give up that fight it was you know you took everything just to breathe and so although I was so scared of a respirator that the the way that it was presented to me and how I rationalized it in my brain which I, I like to do was that look your lungs are really really tired they're full of infection what we're going to do is just put you to sleep for a couple of days and just give them a rest and a time to recover. What a lovely way to present it. I know. So, yes. So basically that's how I rationalized it with myself as well. Mm -hmm. But knowing deep down, you know, I'm going into an induced coma. I'd actually lost a colleague to who never woke up from induced coma. Wow. Wow. That's a bit of a fear factor. Yeah. A few months before, but you know, I tried to bury that fear and be practical. And um, I had total trust in the doctors as well. Those those doctors um, at ICU and Cabrini were just, just amazing. And they did say, look, if this doesn't work, this is only the first step. We, we have other measures we can take. Yeah. And David Brewster, who's actually the head of ICU, looked me in the eye and said, don't worry, Maura, you will wake up to be an old lady and have a very long life. Um, uh, it was yeah just the confidence yeah but the confidence as well in that so anyway was put into an induced coma on a respirator and within a few hours of the respirator um they called my family into the room and said that look it didn't look like um the respirator would be sufficient to um keep me alive or the level of oxygen that they would have to pump in would potentially destroy my lungs Mm. kill me or I'd need a lung transplant so they felt the next step was ECMO which is extracorporeal membrane oxygenation um so it's a technology and a technique it's Mm. a small machine um that takes your blood out through your um your groin and um oxygenates it takes the carbon dioxide out oxygenates it and then puts it back in through your um arterial thing right sounds pretty simple but it's actually um quite a risky and complex thing to do mm. uh, but it was you know it, it was the next step for me and totally life-saving for me and have since found life-saving for so many people so yeah so went on ecmo um so it didn't end up being two days, but I obviously didn't uh, didn't know this. Um, it ended up being twelve days in an induced coma on ECMO and a respirator. Um, and when I finally woke up, uh, mm. 
had numerous complications from both the, the treatment and the, the influenza and, and the various um, side effects that I caused. So I had acute respiratory distress syndrome, uh, uh, kidney failure, I had DVTs, I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk. Wow. I, yeah, I couldn't do anything. I, I was basically like being, being born again, which for someone who's fiercely independent, it was, it was a very humbling thing. So um, from, I guess, the, the minute I woke up, the first thing was, okay, I've got to be able to lift my head. So I literally spent the whole day just building that muscle up. Wow. I could lift my head. And gradually, over the next few weeks, I did recover. But I did spend two months in hospital. Learned a lot over, over that time about mm-hmm. myself and about the hospital system. And um, now it's coming over six months since I left hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, re- recovering, but absolutely em- embracing life. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I feel there's a lot... I learned and there's a lot I can share from that experience so in the last few weeks which is why you've reached out I've started to communicate my journey and um, with the hope of raising awareness for a start just letting people know how vulnerable we all are despite you know how healthy we feel we are or yes you know, the, the lifestyle, positive lifestyle choices we make. Sometimes things just completely hit us out mm. of the blue curveballs and it could be anyone. Yes. So that, that's my first, you know, that was my first key, key reason to get out there. But then there were, were definite, you know, serious learnings along the way that um, I feel would have made my experience better and possibly even the outcome different. Mm. So I really wanted to share those and um i guess the final thing is around um the life-saving treatment that i got which is called ecmo yes is something that is not abundant across the world um and is you know is saving lives where it can Mm. so if there was a way to to raise more awareness get more funding and have ECMO uh, technology, because it's not just the technology, it's actually the know-how and the teams that can Mm. um, deliver this technology and treatment. Um, If, you know, if we could get that into every Mm. ICU in the world, if possible, um, you know, we'd have significantly different outcomes, even in this COVID um, situation. Now, we haven't mentioned anything about from a work point of view and just to give some context to people, you're not a nurse. You don't work in the medical field. The organization you work for has no kind of medical considerations. But one of the things it does have is an appreciation for design and human-centered design. I wonder how much of that thinking is influencing you to think, actually, if I gave some feedback or insight of what it was like to be the person experiencing the medical system, this could actually make a difference. It, absolutely. And I think that's what's driven me the whole way through. You know, I was the customer, the end receiver of, you know, this service and yes. product. And that, you know, design thinking, which is just, you know, it's embedded, it's innate in people who have been exposed to it or um, have worked in that industry. And that's very much been the driver. 
um and yeah just in terms of getting you know i guess seeing how purpose alignment even in terms of how the icu team worked together was, was just you know seeing it firsthand when when the outcome is life or death yes the clarity comes in terms of teams working together which is a big you know proponent and the first step in everything we do in at Vermont here on where I work and um, but seeing it in action without even having to you know workshop and get this yes. aligned um was amazing firsthand but then yes the the seeing everything that I was receiving and experienced through the lens of someone who understands design thinking and experience-led um you know initiatives was really interesting and, and that definitely would is a driver and mm. and a reason why i've decided to to reach out firstly to the um you know i guess the people who are the end receivers of this but i hope my message um you know resonates as well with the care providers um, mm. it's been promising i've had you know doctors share my um blog and reach out to me wonderful yeah which is really good was that something that you had sort of an intention would happen when you wrote the blog or did you have any thoughts about why you'd actually write a blog and share it yeah so i guess um in the first instance it was to get out there to inform and yep. ideally just you know maybe prevent one person going and ending up where, yep. where i have have ended not that it's all bad um i i in terms of the medical side of it i think it's important there were definitely some messages in the early stage of my diagnosis uh, that i would like all gps and health care early sort of diagnosis healthcare professionals to hear and mm. to read and if it makes a difference then i'm i'm glad um but I suppose the, the, the where I'd like to take this next is, is to understand a little bit more about maybe how I can support people in particular who are in the, you know, ECMO industry and mm. ICU industry to help them do, do their job. And, you know, if they're interested yeah. in learning from a patient point of view, which is the principles, I guess, of how we work. Yes. Um, then I'm, I'm here and happy to, but really the, you know, that, that wasn't the, the larger intention. The, the main one was to get out there as quickly as possible to just warn people and make them aware. Something that would be useful maybe for our listeners to hear is you're not a person who normally writes blogs. I'm not, no. So, um, I, I did enjoy writing when I was at school and, um, yeah, wasn't bad at it. And I love English. It, it's all been, um, you know, I love reading. I love books. Um, but I, yeah, I guess I'm not something, someone to, to be significantly out there on, on social media. I, I like, I, I'm very much, a, as you would know, a kind of face-to-face -face relationship builder. I yes. like the chemistry of, of sitting with people mm. and talking. Um, so my message um, has usually been a one-on-one -on -one thing, and I'm yes. always good at giving advice. But yes, yeah, so it was interesting. Um, it was something from the very early days of my recovery I really wanted to do. And even, you know, from a therapeutic, or, it, I found it really cathartic Great. to write it mm. as well. And, um, you know, there, there was 
a lot of what I experienced that I hadn't really revisited, including looking at some of the photos of me in the coma. Right. And um, messages, you know, I had went back through messages from the family at, mm. at that time. So it it was, it, you know, it was certainly something that I got benefit from personally yeah. as well in terms of the cathartic nature of just reliving and writing and confronting it. And it's great to have been able to collected those things along the way to help you form the story. Like you said, the photographs and those messages, because I think often people, when they think even from a career point of view, they might be asked like for the point of a job interview to put a resume together and they're thinking, oh my goodness, um, what is it that I did? And I think people who can collect some things along the way without knowing whether it's actually going to be at a point where you are wanting to tell us, like, oh, excellent, I've got a photograph that shows this or I've got a quote that I could talk. So I think it's wonderful that you actually had that foresight or your family did to collect those things along the way with, without knowing necessarily whether they would be used in any particular way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's probably how my family think as well. So, you know, even in the early days, um, at coming out of the coma, I was having the the weirdest hallucinations and trips. So right. Rory's like, let's document them, let's journal them. Because even now it's interesting, not that I would go into them. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, what, what happened, even when I was awake, yes. uh, was really interesting. Um, and yeah, the photos were good. But one thing that actually Danny, who's uh, Rory, my son's partner, suggested when I was asleep and... Um, for anyone listening to this who perhaps has someone in a coma, um, they decided to um, text me every day and talk to me Brilliant. as would if, they, if we were talking in person. So little things, you know, mm. John on the walk would take a photo and send it. Um, you know, the kids would just tell me how they were feeling. Mm. And I think that was um, really good for them. But obviously great for me yes. when I woke up um, to go through that day to day. Although I have to say it did take me and I still find it hard to read those messages. Mm. But um, yes, so all of that, I guess, documenting and standing back and reflecting on the process mm. while it happened has definitely helped me then pull it all together and, mm. um, you know, replay it back yeah. in the blog and hopefully in, in other ways moving forward. Well, I know you to be a person who's really strong on relationships. And as you said, you're meeting people one-to-one -one or face-to-face -face and having conversations with them. And so for me, um, some people might go, why is Moira doing this and sharing? And part of me is like, Moira can't but help do that. <laughs> That's just the way Moira shows up in the world in terms of making connections with people. And it's really real, authentic connections. Is that how it feels to you? And this is my perception of you. Um, yes, it is. Look, I get real excitement, you know, from getting to know people and then bringing people together, you know, to solve problems and, yeah. and going on a journey and, yeah. you know, having, it's not just the work side of it. It's, it's the fun side. And, you know, I, with my recovery, I'm, I'm not in a position yet because my symptom, you know, I'm, I'm really so much better, but my symptoms are still so unpredictable that I can't take on, you know, the, the, huge responsibility of of my role um and probably you know three weeks ago I was really starting to feel in a, in a bit of a rut because you know I'm not I know I'm not quite ready to get back mm. step into what I do um 
but I'm ready to do something and mm. have all this, you know, I was almost getting frustrated with myself mm. and, um, but also missing the connection. Cause I thrive on connection yes. <laughs> and even meeting new people is a huge part of, you know, what I do. And I love it as, it as part of, of my job. So this is my way of, you know, connecting with people who've had similar experiences to me as well. Mm. And um, yeah, and I get tr- huge delight when someone, even last night I had a, uh, a LinkedIn message from someone in Kenya, in Africa, whose um, friend had, similar to me, had flu last year, ended up with sepsis, uh, respirator was, was not working and um, the nearest ECMO for him was five and five hour journey to South Africa or Dubai and wow. it wasn't possible mm. so a group of good Samaritans got together um, who luckily were quite wealthy and funded an ECMO, ECMO team to fly to Kenya to wow. save his life and he's alive today um, so, you know, that's a connection yes. from, from someone in Kenya who sounds really interesting, um, but, you know, could potentially, uh, who also is, um, you know, really aware of uh, how important it is that we have these machines and technology in the world. So, um, yes. So hopefully I'm going to meet and talk to the person himself. She's, mm. she's talking to him right now. But things like that and, and people who have been through it as well who've reached out people who have had people who've even just recently you know died from COVID have reached out and thanked me um for giving them a different perspective brilliant brilliant Brilliant. so um I'm getting the buzz um you know that I would usually get from work from Mm. this and it's fantastic and it's not work and it's you know it's so you know purposeful in, Mm. in my view um, and you know great if I can help people with the experience that I it's, it's interesting you said then it's not work is there kind of a sense that work means something in particular such that what you're doing right now is not work yeah it's interesting so look I think when I say that is it's, it's I'm not being remunerated right for what I'm doing because the thing about work and even you know doing the self-unlimited journey with you a few years ago is I really enjoy what I do. You know, I have to obviously need to bring an income in for my family, but I have found, you know, a job that I do feel um, gives me a reason to jump out of bed in the morning and is doing something meaningful. So, um, yeah, when I say work, um, it's not the, the, the income stream. Yes, yes. Well, it's very much... Yeah the same way you know using my skills and um even more meaningful if Mm. if i I can save a life by by doing it well i think the situation that we have right now with covid raises an interesting one for because for people there can be a sense well i'm employed because nobody's made me redundant or fired me but i'm not necessarily getting income coming in and i may or may not be doing the normal work activity that i was doing so am I working? <laughs> and so I think it, it's raising a potential for a fresh conversation, which I'm thrilled about, about what is the notion of work? Because I think people think, well, work or to be an employee is, well, my time and my expertise gets exchanged for money. And I think 
what if it was an exchange for money? What if there was something else? Or what if there's something more than money that is the reason for why you do what you do? Absolutely. And and I believe there is. I mean, you know, imagine you were attacked by a herd of elephants and, you know, you knew they were coming down a certain path and you knew a person was on that path. I mean, how how great would it be and you're not thinking about whether you're going to be remunerated for it or receive anything to to be able to warn that person and take them away from the path of that herd of elephants Mm. so yeah it's um well it might be some different value it's the satisfaction of i saved a life or the satisfaction that i was able to use my abilities to see that herd of elephant and intervene in that moment in time because what might felt absolutely natural to you to you know intervene in that for other people might be didn't even see the elephants oh I didn't you know think why should I be the person to jump in and try and save somebody yes no absolutely um but yeah so I think all of this is is really interesting and I'd encourage people to try and connect with what gives them you know mm-hmm. get out of bed what what their passions are and use this time as a bit of as an opportunity to to explore that and uh, you know this started as one small thing as a blog and you know then in conversations it became well this could do more how about creating a community so we've set up a Facebook site uh, now I'm doing a podcast <laughs> and um, you know are the connections and the stories I'm hearing all over the world um, who, who knows where this can lead yes but, because it's not necessarily a career change. It's not like you've decided, well, that's it. I'm now moving into the world of podcasts and community building. Absolutely not. No, but I'm enjoying this. And, you know, it's something that I can bring back probably to my job when, when I um, get back there. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's brought a bit of a buzz back yeah. And it's a different way of learning because I think some people during this pandemic are thinking, oh, well, learning would be I have to sign up for a course and have to go online and do a course. And I think what you're doing is jumping in saying, I could try something. Let me write a blog and put it out there. Who knows what's going to happen? It didn't have to have a particular outcome, but it's got an emergent nature to what's happening while you're also learning quite organically. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Yes, I'm I'm learning so much and it's really interesting. And even um, you know, thinking about the the other blogs, I've, I've you know a lot of what I'm coming from is is the lived experience. But um, I'm now starting to do research in, in you know ICU um, medical treatment and how mm. to work. Um, you know ECMO. Um, there's also post ICU syndrome and um, the um, post traumatic stress and. So it's been lot, yeah, there's so much learning yeah. and, and I am someone who continually wants to be learning and doing new things. Exploring. I, I just watched a documentary last night that was on Netflix about the creative brain and the doctor who studies creativity was making the point that creativity is greatly uh, fueled when we actually learn new things or try new things that bump up against the unfamiliar. So even if the end of it was nothing went particularly down a medical path for you learning these terms, it's simply been enough to stimulate your brain in different ways. Who knows what creative product or thoughts might come out of it that might go back to the work that you were doing or some new work that's not even connected to medical stuff. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. You know, it's it's a journey. I've started, um, and so far, just even you know, knowing that 
I am getting feedback that I've helped people, you know, even people get a flu shot. Um, it has been great, but absolutely, who, who knows where it will lead and um, what new learning paths it will expose me to. But I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I've known you to be a person who can change and grow. And what I'm seeing here is you're being your own little change agent. So as we come to a close, do you have some tips or suggestions for people who might be thinking, oh, I'll bet, you know, I don't have a huge life-changing event that's put me in the path of thinking about things differently. What might they do to try something or go in a, a different direction and just see what they might see? Yeah, look, I think... Um, I think it's having some quiet, you know, thinking time themselves to, to go, well, what really excites me? You know, what, what makes my heart race? What gets me out of bed in the morning? Yes. And what, you know, what can I do? Maybe start just learning a little bit more about that. If you don't like learning, I'm just loving podcasts. Like find and listen to podcasts about, about whatever subject that is yes um write a little bit about what you think about it speak to people you know reach out linkedin is an amazing tool and you know there's so many other social um digital tools to use start to have conversations mm. um because that's what i i always find you know conversations lead to ideas and sparks and believe in yourself as well like i i've had days where i go oh god what am i doing you know who do I think I am putting a blog out there um and I've had encouragement from others on those you know those darker days to know and then you have somebody read the blog and go that's amazing and you're pumped so believe in yourself and everybody doubts themselves in on certain days in certain ways but if you're getting a spark there's something there so explore it and uh yeah we've never had this time and I know it, it is worrying and um, it's hard to do that if you know if you if you're anxious and, and worried about the future but give yourself some time even if it's just an hour a day to go mm. yeah I love that let's spend an hour I listen to a podcast about that yeah. I do some research I know someone who knows someone who who, yeah. has, who works in that industry let's have a chat yeah um, so yeah just explore it believe and um who knows yep and then what i'm getting from that is it's small steps it's not like you sit down and think oh i'm gonna set up this community and do all this kind of stuff it started with you like what if i wrote down this and shared it in a blog and then you know with no expectation necessary would go and i have this image in my mind of like two rocks clashing together and a little spark comes out of it and you might go oh that's nothing that's just a spark i'm looking for the fire it's like yes but all fires start with a little spark so even if you're just clashing some things together to find that spark the different things you were mentioning are an opportunity to maybe fuel that and get that growing to a flame absolutely yeah and who knows what you know amazing fires we'll we'll see um you know at the end of this i'm sure there's mm -hmm. so much creativity happening right now you know behind closed doors i sort yes. of look at my street and wonder you know what zoom conversations are happening behind windows yeah and you know if this is the way we work in the future how do we create that you know that virtual water cooler you know how how can we get that physical because as i said i do yeah. like the physical and maybe it doesn't have to be with work colleagues in a work environment maybe it is you know the neighborhood and community so 
Yeah, lots. great, great questions. And, you know, I'm going to check back in with you in a few weeks time, because I think the fact that you're asking those questions and that you are fueled by relationships and relationships is important to you. Yes. I'm thinking today at this moment, Moira might have sowed the seed for a new idea for a virtual water cooler. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Brilliant. Let's get the design community together. All right, let's get our, I should just get my neighbors together and Oh, look at you. Relationship, relationships. <laughs> when, when we're allowed to gather. Yes. Um, yes, we should. But yeah, no, so what, what I feel is, um, yeah, anyone who's out there who, who has a little spark of an idea, yeah. just explore it. And don't be scared. Just do it. And um, who knows where it will go. And if it goes nowhere, so what? You've enjoyed it because it's something that you enjoy doing. Indeed. Well, thank you so much for giving us an insight into the workscape of Mora Unlimited. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Always a pleasure. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com and follow us on Twitter at Be Self Unlimited.